Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z Podcast is a daily program that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. The Life and Achievements of Don Quixote de la Mancha is a Spanish epic novel by Miguel de Cervantes. Originally published in two parts, in 1605 and 1615, its full title is The Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha. A founding work of Western literature, it is often labeled as the first modern novel and one of the greatest works ever written. Don Quixote is also one of the most translated books in the world. If you enjoy our program, Please be sure to write us a review on your podcast platform and share us with a friend. You both might sleep just a little better at night. Our website is triple Z, that's three Z's dot media. You can also like and share our content on Facebook or our Instagram account ZZZ Media Podcast. Music for today's episode was provided by the Sleep Channel on Spotify. Chapter 71 Of the arrival of Clavellino with the conclusion of this prolix adventure. Evening now came on, which was the time when the famous horse Clavellino was expected to arrive. When lo, on a sudden, for savages entered the garden, all clad in green ivy and bearing on their shoulders a large wooden horse. They set him upon his legs on the ground and one of the savages said, let the knight mount who has the courage to bestride this wondrous machine. Not I, quoth Sancho, for neither have I courage, nor am I knight. And let the squire, if he is one, continued the savage, mount the crupper, and trust to valorous Malambrino, for no other shall do him harm. Turn but the pin on his forehead, and he will rush through the air to the spot where Malambruno waits, and to shun the danger of a lofty flight, let the eyes of the riders be covered till the neighing of the horse shall give the signal of his completed journey. Having thus spoken, he left Clavellino, and with courteous demeanor departed with his companions. The afflicted lady no sooner perceived the horse than, almost with tears, addressing herself to Don Quixote, valorous knight, said she, Malambruno has kept his word, here is the horse. Mount, therefore, with your squire behind you, and give a happy beginning to your journey. Madam, said Don Quixote, I will do it with all my heart, without waiting for either cushion or spurs, so great is my desire to see your ladyship and these your unfortunate friends rescued. That will not I, quoth Sancho, either with a bad or a good will, and if this shaving cannot be done without my mounting, let my master seek some other squire, or these madams some other barber, for being no wizard, I have no stomach for these journeys. What will my islanders say when they hear that their governor goes riding upon the wind? Besides, it is three thousand leagues from here to Candia, what if the horse should tire upon the road, or the giant be fickle and change his mind? Seven years, at least, it would take us to travel home, and by that time I should have neither island nor islanders that would own me. No, no, I know better things, I know, 
two, that delay breeds danger, and when they bring you a heifer, be ready with a rope. Friend Sancho, said the Duke, your island neither floats nor stirs, and therefore it will keep till your return, and as you know that all offices of any value are obtained by some consideration, what I expect in return for this government I have conferred upon you is only that you attend your master on this memorable occasion, and whether you return upon Clavellino with the expedition as speed promises, or be your fortune to return on foot, like a pilgrim, from house to house, and from into an, however it may be, you will find your island where you left it, and your islanders with the same desire to receive you for their governor. My goodwill is equally unchangeable, and to doubt that, Signor Sancho, would be a notorious injury to the inclination I have to serve you. Good your worship, say no more, quoth Sancho, I am a poor squire, and my shoulders cannot bear the weight of so much kindness. Let my master mount, let my eyes be covered, and good luck go with us. But tell me, when we are aloft, may I not say my prayers, and entreat the saints and angels to help me? Yes, surely, answered the Trifaldi, you may invoke whomsoever you please, for Malambrino is a Christian, and performs his enchantments with great discretion and much precaution. Well, let us away, quoth Sancho, and heaven prosper us. Since the memorable business of the fulling mills, said Don Quixote, I have never seen thee, Sancho, in such trepidation, and were as superstitious as some people, this extraordinary fear of thine would a little discourage me. But come hither, friend, for, with the leave of these nobles, I would speak a word or two with thee in private. Don Quixote then drew aside Sancho among some trees out of hearing, and taking hold of both his hands said to him, Thou sayest, my good Sancho, the long journey we are about to undertake, the period of our return is uncertain, and heaven alone knows what leisure or convenience our affairs may admit during our absence. I earnestly beg, therefore, now that opportunity serves, thou wilt retire to thy chamber as if to fetch something necessary for the journey, and there, in a trice, give thyself. If it be but five hundred lashes, in part of the three thousand and three hundred for which thou art pledged, for work well begun is half ended. By my soul, quoth Sancho, your worship is stark mad. Verily, verily, your worship is out of all reason. Let us go and shave these to win us, and on my return, I promise to make such dispatch in giving out debt that your worship shall be contented. Can I say more? With that promise, said Don Quixote, I feel somewhat comforted, and believe thou wilt perform it, for though thou art not overwise, thou art stanch in thy integrity. The knight and squire now returned to the company, and as they were preparing to mount Clavellino, Don Quixote said, Hoodwink thyself, Sancho, and get up, he that sends for us from countries so remote cannot, surely, intend to betray us, for he would gain little glory by deceiving those who confide in him. And supposing the success of the adventure should not be equal to our hopes, yet of the glory of so brave an attempt, no malice can deprive us. 
Let us be gone, sir, quoth Sancho, for the beards and tears of these ladies have pierced my heart, and I shall not eat to do me good till I see them smooth again. Mount, sir, and hoodwink first, for if I am to have the crupper, your worship, who sits in the saddle, must get up first. That is true, replied Don Quixote, and pulling a handkerchief out of his pocket, he requested the afflicted lady to place the bandage over his eyes, but it was no sooner done than he uncovered them again, saying, I remember to have read, in the Aeneid of Virgil, that the fatal wooden horse, dedicated by the Greeks to their tutelary goddess Minerva, was filled with armed knights, who, by that stratagem got admittance into Troy, and wrought its downfall. Will it not therefore be prudent, before I trust myself upon Clavellino, to examine what may be in his belly? There is no need of that, said the Trifaldi, for I am confident Melambruno has nothing in him with the traitor. Your worship may melt him without fear, and should any harm ensue, let the blame fall on me alone. Don Quixote, now considering that to betray any further doubts would be a reflection on his courage, vaulted at once into his saddle. He then tried the pin, which he found would turn very easily, stirrups he had none, so that, with his legs dangling, he looked like a figure in some Roman triumph, woven in Flemish tapestry. Very slowly, and much against his will, Sancho then got behind, fixing himself as well as he could upon the crupper, and finding it very deficient in softness, he humbly begged the duke to accommodate him, if possible, with some pillow or cushion, though it were from the duchess's state sofa, or from one of the pages' beds, as the horse's crupper seemed rather to be of marble than of wood, but the trifaldi interfering, assured him that Clavellino would not endure any more furniture upon him. But that, by sitting sideways, as women ride, he would find himself greatly relieved. Sancho followed her advice, and, after taking leave of the company, he suffered his eyes to be covered. But, soon after, he raised the bandage, and looking sorrowfully at his friends, begged them, with a countenance of woe, to assist him at that perilous crisis with a few paternosters and Ave Marias, as they hoped for the same charity from others when in the like extremity. They were now blindfolded, and Don Quixote feeling himself firmly seated, put his hand to the peg, upon which all the duennas, and the whole company raised their voices at once, calling out, Speed you well, valorous knight. Heaven died thee, undaunted squire. Now you fly aloft, see how they cut the air more swiftly than an arrow. Now they mount and soar, and astonish the world below. Steady, steady, valorous Sancho. You seem to reel and totter in your seat beware of falling, for, should you drop from that tremendous height, your fall will be more terrible than that of Phaeton. Sancho, hearing all this, pressed closer to his master, and grasping him fast, he said, How can they say that we are got so high, when we hear them as plain as if they were close by us? Take no heed of that, Sancho, said Don Quixote, for, in these extraordinary flights, to see or hear a thousand leagues is nothing but squeeze me not quite so hard, good Sancho, 
or thou wilt unhorse me. In truth I see not why thou shouldst be so alarmed, for I can safely swear an easier paced steed I never rode in all my life. Indeed, it goes as glibly as if it did not move at all. Banish fear, my friend, the business goes on swimmingly, with a gale fresh and fair behind us. I think so too, quoth Sancho, for I feel the wind here as if a thousand pairs of bellows were puffing at my tail. And, indeed, this was the fact, as sundry large bellows were just then pouring upon them an artificial storm, in truth, so well was this adventure managed and contrived that nothing was wanting to make it complete. Don Quixote now feeling the wind, without doubt, said he, we have now reached the second region of the air, where the hail and snow are formed, thunder and lightning are engendered in the third region, and if we go on mounting at this rate, we shall soon be in the region of fire, and how to manage this peg I know not, so as to avoid mounting where we shall be burnt alive. Just at that time some flax, set on fire at the end of a long cane, was held near their faces, the warmth of which being felt, may I be hanged, said Sancho, if we are not already there, or very near it, for half my beard is singed off I have a huge mind, sir, to peep out and see whereabouts we are. Heaven forbid such rashness, said Don Quixote, remember the true story of the licentiate Toralvo, who was carried by magicians, hoodwinked, riding on a cane, with his eyes shut, and in twelve hours reached Rome, where, lighting on the tower of Nona, he saw the tumult, witnessed the assault and death of the constable of Bourbon, and the next morning returned to Madrid, where he gave an account of all that he had seen. During his passage through the air, he said that he was tempted to open his eyes, which he did, and found himself, as he thought, so near the body of the moon that he could have laid hold of it with his hand, but that he durst not look downwards to the earth lest his brain should turn. Therefore, Sancho, let us not run the risk of uncovering in such a place, but rather trust to him who has taken charge of us, as he will be responsible. Perhaps we are just now soaring aloft to a certain height, in order to come south down upon the kingdom of Candia, like a hawk upon a heron, and, though it seems not more than half an hour since we left the garden, doubtless we have traveled through an amazing space. As to that I can say nothing, quoth Sancho Panza, I can only say that, if Madame Magdalena was content to ride upon this crupper without a cushion, her flesh could not have been the tenderest in the world. This conversation between the two heroes was overheard by the Duke and Duchess, and all who were in their garden, to their great diversion, and, being now disposed to finish the adventure, they applied some lighted flax to Clavellino's tail, upon which, his body being full of combustibles, he instantly blew up with a prodigious report, and threw his riders to the ground. The Trifaldi, with the whole bearded squadron of duennas, vanished, and all that remained in the garden were laid stretched on the ground as if in a trance. Don Quixote and Sancho got upon their legs in but an indifferent plight, and looking round, were amazed to find themselves in the same garden with such a number of people strewed about them on all sides, 
but their wonder was increased when, on a huge land sticking in the earth, they beheld a sheet of white parchment attached to it by silken strings, whereon was written, in letters of gold, the following words. The renowned knight Don Quixote de la Mancha has achieved the stupendous adventure of Trifaldi the afflicted and her companions in grief only by attempting it. Malambruno is satisfied, his wrath is appeased, the beards of the unhappy are vanished, and Don Clavijo and Antonomasia have recovered their pristine state. When the squirely penance shall be completed, then shall the white dove, delivered from the cruel talons of the pursuing hawks, be enfolded in the arms of her beloved turtle, such is the will of Merlin, prince of enchanters. Don Quixote having read the prophetic decree, and perceiving at once that it referred to the disenchantment of Dulcinea, he expressed his gratitude to heaven for having, with so much ease, performed so great an exploit, whereby many venerable females had been happily rescued from disgrace. He then went to the spot where the Duke and Duchess lay on the ground, and taking the Duke by the arm, he said, Courage, courage, my good lord, the adventure is over without damage to the bars, as you will find by that record. The Duke gradually, as if awaking from a sound sleep, seemed to recover his senses, as did the Duchess and the rest of the party, expressing, at the same time, so much wonder and affright that what they feigned so well seemed almost reality to themselves. Though scarcely awake, the Duke eagerly looked for the scroll, and having read it, with open arms embraced Don Quixote, declaring him to be the bravest of knights. Sancho looked all about for the afflicted dame to see what kind of face she had when beardless and whether she was now as goodly to the sight as her stately presence seemed to promise, but he was told that, when Clavellino came tumbling down in the flames through the air, the Trifaldi, with her whole train, vanished with not a beard to be seen among them every hair was gone, root and branch. The Duchess inquired of Sancho how he had fared during that long voyage. Why, truly, madam, answered he, I have seen wonders, for, as we were passing through the region of fire, as my master called it, I had, you must know, a mighty mind to take a peep, and, though my master would not consent to it, I, who have an itch to know everything, and a hankering after whatever is forbidden, could not help, softly and unperceived, shoving the cloth a little aside, when through a crevice I looked down, and there I saw, heaven bless us. The earth so far off that it looked to me no bigger than a grain of mustard seed, and the men that walked upon it little bigger than hazelnuts, only think, then, what a height we must have been. Take care what you say, friend, said the Duchess, had it been so, you could not have seen the earth for the people upon it, a hazelnut, good man, would have covered the whole earth. Like enough, said Sancho, but, for all that, I had a side view of it, and saw it all. Take heed, Sancho, said the Duchess, for one cannot see the whole of anything by a side view. I know nothing about views, replied Sancho, I only know that your ladyship should remember that, since we flew by enchantment, by enchantment I might see the whole earth, and all the men upon it, in whatever way I looked, 
and if your ladyship will not credit that, neither will you believe me when I tell you that, thrusting up the kerchief close to my eyebrows, I found myself so near the sky that it was not above a span from me, and it so fell out that we passed close by the place where the seven she-goats are kept, and, truly, having been a goatherd in my youth, I no sooner saw them but I longed to play with them a while, and, had I not done it, I verily think I should have died, so what does I but, without saying a word, softly slide down from Clavellino, and play with the sweet little creatures, which are like so many violets, for almost three quarters of an hour. And all the while Clavellino seemed not to move from the place, nor stir a foot. And while honest Sancho was diverting himself with the goats, quoth the duke, how did Senior Don Quixote amuse himself? To which the knight answered, as these and such like concerns are out of the order of nature, I do not wonder at Sancho's assertions, for my own part, I can truly say I neither looked up nor down, and saw neither heaven nor earth, nor sea nor sands. It is, nevertheless, certain that I was sensible of our passing through the region of the air, and even touched upon that of fire, but that we pass beyond it, I cannot believe, for the fiery region lying between the sphere of the moon and the uppermost region of the air, we could not reach that place where the seven goats are which Sancho speaks of without being burnt, and since we were not burnt, either Sancho lies or Sancho dreams. I neither lie nor dream, answered Sancho, only ask me the marks of these same goats, and by them you may guess whether I speak the truth or not. Tell us what they were, Sancho, quoth the Duchess. Two of them, replied Sancho, are green, two carnation, two blue, and one motley colored. A new kind of goats are those, said the Duke, in our region of the earth we have none of such colors. The reason is plain, quoth Sancho, your highness will allow that there must be some difference between the celestial goats and those of this lower world. They did not choose to question Sancho any more concerning his journey, perceiving him to be in the humor to ramble all over the heavens and tell them all that was passing there without having stirred a foot from the place where he mounted. Thus concluded the adventure of the afflicted duenna, which furnished the duke and duchess with a subject of mirth, not only at the time, but for the rest of their lives, and Sancho something to relate had he lived for ages. Sancho, said Don Quixote, whispering him in the ear, if thou wouldst have us credit all thou hast told us just now, I expect thee to believe what I saw in Montesinos cave I say no more. Chapter 72 The instructions which Don Quixote gave to Sancho Panza before he went to his government with other well-digested matter. The Duke and Duchess being so well pleased with the adventure of the afflicted duenna were encouraged to proceed with other projects, seeing that there was nothing too extravagant for the credulity of the knight and the squire. The necessary orders were accordingly issued to their servants and vassals with regard to their behavior towards Sancho and his government of the promised island. The day after the flight of Clavellino, the Duke bid Sancho prepare and get himself in readiness to assume his office, for his islanders were already wishing for him as for rain in May. 
Tomorrow, said he, you surely depart for your island, and this evening you shall be fitted with suitable apparel and with all things necessary for your appointment. Clothe me as you will, said Sancho, I shall still be Sancho Panza. That is true, said the duke, but the garb should always be suitable to the office and rank of the wearer, for a lawyer to be habited like a soldier, or a soldier like a priest, would be preposterous, and you, Sancho, must be clad partly like a scholar, and partly a soldier, as, in the office you will hold, arms and learning are united. As for learning, replied Sancho, I have not much of that, for I hardly know my A, B, C, but to be a good governor, it will be enough that I am able to make my Christ cross, and as to arms, I shall handle such as are given me till I fall, and so God help me. With so good an intention, quoth the Duke, Sancho cannot do wrong. At this time Don Quixote came up to them, and hearing how soon Sancho was to depart to his government, he took him by the hand, and, with the Duke's leave, led him to his chamber, in order to give him some advice respecting his conduct and office, and, having entered, he shut the door, and, almost by force, made Sancho sit down by him, and, with much solemnity, addressed him in these words. I am thankful to heaven, friend Sancho, that, even before fortune has crowned my hopes, prosperity has gone forth to meet thee. I, who had trusted in my own success for the reward of thy services, am still but on the road to advancement, whilst thou, prematurely and before all reasonable expectation, art come into full possession of thy wishes. Some must bribe, importune, solicit, attend early, pray, persist, and yet do not obtain what they desire, whilst another comes, and, without knowing how, jumps at once into the preferment for which so many hath sued in vain. It is truly said that merit does much, but fortune more. The happy have their days, and those they choose, th unhappy have but ours, and those they lose. Thou, who, in respect to me, art but a very simpleton, without either early rising or late watching, without labor of body or mind, by the air alone of nigherentry breathing on thee, findest thyself the governor of an island, as if it were a trifle, a thing of no account. All this I say, friend Sancho, that thou mayest not ascribe the favor done thee to thine own merit, but give thanks, first to heaven, which disposeth things so kindly, and in the next place, acknowledge with gratitude the inherent grandeur of the profession of nigherentry. Listen now to the few counsels which I shall give thee for thy conduct. First, my son, fear God, for, to fear him is wisdom, and being wise, thou canst not err. Conceal not the meanness of thy family, nor think it disgraceful to be descended from peasants, for, when it is seen that thou art not thyself ashamed, none will endeavor to make thee so, and deem it more meritorious to be a virtuous humble man than a lofty sinner. Infinite is the number of those who, born of low extraction, have risen to the highest dignities both in church and state, and of this truth I could tire thee with examples. 
Yet thou takest thy wife with thee, and it is not well for those who are appointed to governments to be long separated from their families. Teach, instruct, and polish her from her natural rudeness, for it often happens that all the consideration a wise governor can acquire is lost by an ill-bred and foolish woman. Yet thou shouldst become a widower, an event which is possible, and thy station entitles thee to a better match. Seek not one to serve thee for a hook and angling rod, for, believe me, whatever the judge's wife receives, the husband must account for it the general judgment, and shall be made to pay fourfold for all that of which he has rendered no account during his life. Be not under the dominion of thine own will, it is the vice of the ignorant, who vainly presume on their own understanding. Let the tears of the poor find more compassion, but not more justice, from me than the applications of the wealthy. Be equally solicitous to sift out the truth amidst the presence and promises of the rich, and the sighs and entreaties of the poor. Whenever equity may justly temper the rigor of the law, let not the whole force of it bear upon the delinquent, for it is better that a judge should lean on the side of compassion than severity. If perchance the scales of justice be not correctly balanced, let the error be imputable to pity, not to gold. If perchance the cause of thine enemy come before thee, forget thy injuries, and think only on the merits of the case. Let not private affection blind thee in another man's cause, for the errors thou shalt thereby commit are often without remedy and at the expense both of thy reputation and fortune. When a beautiful woman comes before thee to demand justice, consider maturely the nature of her claim without regarding either her tears or her sighs, unless thou wouldst expose thy judgment to the danger of being lost in the one and thy integrity in the other. Revile not with words him whom thou hast to correct with deeds. The punishment which the unhappy wretch is doomed to suffer is sufficient without the addition of abusive language. When the criminal stands before thee, recollect the frail and depraved nature of man and, as much as thou canst, without injustice to the suffering party, shew pity and clemency, for, though the attributes of God are all equally adorable, yet his mercy is more shining and attractive in her eyes than his justice. If, Sancho, thou observest these precepts, thy days will be long and thy fame eternal, thy recompense full, and thy felicity unspeakable. Thou shalt marry thy children to thy heart's content, and they and thy grandchildren shall want neither honors nor titles. Beloved by all men, thy days shall pass in peace and tranquility, and when the inevitable period comes, death shall steal on thee in a good and venerable old age, and thy grandchildren's children, with their tender and pious hands, shall close thine eyes. The advice I have just given thee, Sancho, regards the good and ornament of thy mind, now listen to the directions I have to give concerning thy person and deportment. Chapter 73 Of the second instruction Don Quixote gives Sancho Panza. During the whole of this private conference, Sancho listened to his master with great attention and endeavored so to register his counsel in his mind that he might thereby be enabled to bear the burden of government and acquit himself honorably. Don Quixote now proceeded. 
as to the regulation of thy own person and domestic concerns, said he, in the first place, Sancho, I enjoin thee to be cleanly in all things. Keep the nails of thy fingers neatly pared, nor suffer them to grow as some do, who ignorantly imagine that long nails beautify the hand, whereas it is a foul and unsightly object. Examine prudently the income of thy office, and, if it will afford thee to give liveries to thy servants, give them such as are decent and lasting, rather than gaudy and modish, and what thou shalt thus save in thy servants bestow on the poor, so shalt thou have attendance both in heaven and earth, a provision which our vainglorious great never think of. Eat neither garlic nor onions, lest the smell betray thy rusticity. Walk with gravity, and speak deliberately, but not so as to seem to be listening to thyself, for affectation is odious. Eat little at dinner, and less at supper, for the health of the whole body is tempered in the laboratory of the stomach. Drink with moderation, for inebriety neither keeps a secret nor performs a promise. In the next place, Sancho, do not intermix in thy discourse such a multitude of proverbs as thou were wont to do, for, though proverbs are concise and pithy sentences, thou dost often so drag them in by the head and shoulders that they seem rather the maxims of folly than of wisdom. Let thy sleep be moderate, for he who rises not with the sun enjoys not the day, and remember, Sancho, that diligence is the mother of good fortune, and that sloth, her adversary never arrived at the attainment of a good wish. At this time I have but one more admonition to give thee, which, though it concerns not thy person, is well worthy of thy careful remembrance. It is this, never undertake to decide contests concerning lineage or the preeminence of families, since, in the comparison, one must of necessity have the advantage, and he whom thou hast humbled will hate thee, and he who is preferred will not reward thee. As for thy dress, wear breeches and hose, a long coat and a cloak somewhat longer, but for trousers or trunk hose, think not of them, they are not becoming either gentlemen or governors. This is all the advice, friend Sancho, that occurs to me at present, hereafter, as occasions offer, my instructions will be ready, provided thou art mindful to inform me of the state of thy affairs. Sir, answered Sancho, I see very well that all your worship has told me is wholesome and profitable, but what shall I be the better for it if I cannot keep it in my head? It is true, I shall not easily forget what you said about paring my nails and marrying again if the opportunity offered, but for your other quirks and quillets, I protest they have already gone out of my head as clean as last year's clouds, and therefore let me have them in writing, for, though I cannot read them myself, I will give them to my confessor, that you may repeat and drive them into me in time of need. Heaven defend me, said Don Quixote, how scurvy doth it look in a governor to be unable to read or write. Indeed, Sancho. I must needs tell thee that when a man has not been taught to read, or is left-handed, it argues that his parentage was very low, or that, in early life, he was so indocile and perverse that his teachers could beat nothing good into him. 
Truly this is a great defect in thee, and therefore I would have thee learn to write, if it were only thy name. That I can do already, quoth Sancho, for, while I was steward of the brother in our village, I learned to make certain marks like those upon wool packs, which, they told me, stood for my name. But, at the worst, I can feign a lameness in my right hand, and get another to sign for me, there is a remedy for everything but death, and, having the staff in my hand, I can do what I please. Besides, as your worship knows, he whose father is mayor and I being governor, am, I trow, something more than mayor. I, I, let them come that list, and play at Bo Peep, I, fleer and backbite me, but they may come for wool, and go back shorn, his home is savory whom God loves, besides, the rich man's blunders pass current for wise maxims, so that I, being a governor, and therefore wealthy, and bountiful to boot as I intend to be nobody will see any blemish in me. No, no, let the clown daub himself with honey, and he will never want flies. As much you have, just so much you are worth, said my grandam, revenge yourself upon the rich who can. Away with your proverbs, exclaimed Don Quixote, this hour, or more, thou hast been stringing thy musty wares, poisoning and torturing me without mercy. Take my word for it, these proverbs will one day bring thee to the gallows. However, I am comforted in having given thee the best counsel in my power, and therein, having done my duty, I am acquitted both of my obligation and my promise, so God speed thee, Sancho, and govern thee in thy government, and disappoint my fears for thy turning all things upside down in that poor island, which I might indeed prevent, by giving the duke a more perfect insight into thee, and discovering to him thou art nothing better than a bundle of proverbs, and sackful of knavery. Look you, sir, quoth Sancho. If you think me not fit for this government, I will think no more on it. Alas, the least snip of my soul's nails, as a body may say, is dearer to me than my whole body, and I hope I can live plain Sancho still, upon a luncheon of bread and a clove of garlic, as contented as Governor Sancho upon capons and partridges. Death and sleep make us all alike, rich and poor, high and low. Do but call to mind what first put this whim of government into my noddle, you will find it was your own self, for, as for me, I know no more what belongs to islands and governors than a blind buzzard. So if you fancy the devil will have me for being a governor, let me be plain Sancho still, and go to heaven, rather than my lord governor, and go to hell. These last words of thine, Sancho, said Don Quixote, in my opinion, prove thee worthy to govern a thousand islands. Thou hast naturally a good disposition, without which all knowledge is insufficient. Recommend thyself to divine providence, and be sure never to depart from uprightness of intention, I mean, have still a firm purpose and design to be thoroughly informed in all the business that shall come before thee, and act upon just grounds, for heaven always favors good desires. And so let us go to dinner, for I believe now the Duke and Duchess expect us.